we did manage to find a few surprises in the list. There are a few, that's right. From Orion X, in association with Inside HPC, this is the At HPC Podcast. Join Shaheen Khan and Doug Black as they discuss supercomputing technologies and the applications, markets, and policies that shape them. Thank you for being with us. Hi, I'm Doug Black, Editor-in-Chief at Inside HPC, and I'm joined again by Shaheen Khan, Industry Technology Analyst at OrionX.net, and this is our second episode of the At HPC podcast. Shaheen, it's a pleasure to be with you again. It's great to be with you. We have another news-worthy day here today. <laughs> well, the top 500 announcement of the new list always kicks off the first day of the SC conference. And I guess the big takeaway from the new list is that the top 10, at least, is uh, getting a little bit long in, in the tooth. There aren't very minor changes to that list. No, yeah, not a lot of change. Of course, there was a lot of anticipation that we might see the rumored two Chinese systems there, but I think they opted not to submit the numbers. Yeah, and um, certainly change is coming if, as widely expected, U.S. exascale systems are installed starting with Frontier at the end of this year. So change should be on the way. But as we were talking a bit earlier, the, uh, the pace of change to the list, certainly at the very top end of it, it seems to have slowed over the last several years. Is that your view? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I look at the top 500 as like the top 20 and then the upper half and then the lower half. So I kind of my mental view is those three segments. And the top 20 generally has some motion, uh, less a little bit at the very high end, because when a system like the Earth Simulator some years ago and then Taiyu Light and now Fugaku, you, when those guys come in and slam dunk it, you'd expect them to be there for a couple of few years, and they sure are. But below that, like between number five and number 20, there's like a good amount of motion, and we're not seeing as much of that this time around. I don't know whether it's because people aren't participating or whether they're not able to do the investment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And possibly the, the slowdown could be just the, the incredible cost of these systems. Looking ahead to Frontier, it's a, it's a $600 million supercomputer. So... And I bet you that's at relatively decent discounts. <laughs> so, <laughs> and yeah. you have to remember that while it's a question of national security and et cetera, and you might be able to drive a bargain in the commercial world, these high-end chips and systems are all production limited. So the vendors have little incentive to discount. Yeah, exactly. It's not a mass market we're talking about. So Now, okay, even in, in the face, though, of this list without many changes to it, we did manage to find a few surprises in the list. There are a few, that's right. Yeah, and one of them is uh, the accelerator. So when you really look at the, the way the top 500 organization is presenting them, because if you go through the list, you may find more of the data, but at the top line, when you look at accelerators, something like 72.6% of them is other. <laughs> <laughs> that's 363 systems. Now the remaining 137 are all NVIDIA. So you basically have NVIDIA and non-NVIDIA. <laughs> but what they are, we would ha actually have to comb through the list on a system-by-system -system basis to try to figure out who the suppliers are. Right. So I looked at like Intel 5, which was kind of on for a while before it got upstaged by some of the new systems that they are delivering soon. And then I looked at PESI and I looked at AMD and Matrix and a few other known quantities. And there were like five of those. So the vast majority continue to be 
really are there. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to look at how quickly NVIDIA and AMD have rushed to the top of the list. Over against, say, Intel, I went through the top 10, and they, they are in two of the top 10 systems. And even five years ago, they were in five of them. So, Right. I think that's just indication of the high performance and high performance computing, that if you have the performance, people will switch to you readily. And that's the name of the game in this market. Whoever has the best performance will see results quickly. And we're observing that. And of course, AMD's announcement last week, which was another big piece of news, puts it in a on a big collision course with NVIDIA. And for the first time, it's providing real competition for NVIDIA. So the next list is going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, you're talking about the GPU front. The GPU, the MI200, that's right. Right. And even Intel, I mean, not to be too negative true. about that's them. That's very true, yeah. They, as we mentioned in our first episode, they won the Ponte Vecchio was selected by Cyperl to be the GPU for European Exascale. So that's that right. was a nice win for them. And, you know, clearly they're in catch-up mode but maybe that's a sign of progress they're making. Yes, I do think, you know, the way I was phrasing it was that everybody's getting their proper dose of humility <laughs> <laughs> while everybody at the same time is executing really nicely on really advanced tech. So that's nice to watch. Yeah. Now, we touched a little bit on China and the, I guess, a general assumption is that China is withholding information. They're not sharing information about where they are with Exascale. But I, in talking with you, Shaheen, I, I get the sense you're not that alarmed by that, if even if they are already at Exascale. Well, I think there's a difference between kind of significant and something that must be taken seriously and like being alarmed. I think that building an Exascale system is a very important thing in the context of building an Exascale system, which to me is highly driven by how much investment you put behind it. I've been vocal and on the record as saying that all the investments that we're making in this country is highly welcome. Thank you very much. And it could be four times more. <laughs> because to me, like computing infrastructure is absolutely the critical component of the future. And of course, you know, we are as a nation quite ahead on many, many fronts. And it's not like others are going to sit idle and do nothing and wait for us to really do them. It's, you know, it's like computer industry is like already 70 years old, right? So it's not, it's not brand new. People finally, you know, eventually get how they need to compete and that's going to happen all over the world. So it's significant, but not alarming is the way I see it. And, and of course I haven't seen the system configurations, right? I think it's one thing, you know, one of the things I like about top 500 is that you see the results and you see the system configuration and they probably run a couple of few other benchmarks like HPCG or HPC AI or, you know, whatever, Green 500. And so you get a feel for how these technologies operate in that configuration. We don't know anything about those rumored systems, so it's hard to really assess it. Yeah, but we know they're on the path to Exascale. This is not being done in secret. It's not going to be a shock to anybody. And we're on the same path, too. So it's almost a parallel track. Well, in fact, I think the assumption has to be that the fact that we know as much about it as we do is deliberate, that this is their go-to-market strategy, so to say. Mm. I, I mean, I have to assume, I don't know if this is true, but one must assume that whatever you see is like what was meant to be. And I think that how they meant to do it is that, okay, we're not going to submit top 500, but we're going to let everybody know. We're going to put it in papers and we're going to let people know. And we're going to have like a, you know, trusted source that's going to disclose it. And we're going to sort of participate without participating. 
And that's exactly what's happening right now. Yeah. But we don't know the system configuration, and I think that's a very critical piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Now, you, I thought you have some interesting thoughts on how to view the top 500 and the value that it has if it's viewed in kind of the right way. Right. To me, the top 500 is not an conclusive, exhaustive list of what actually is the top 500. The top 500 is a list of those who are willing to participate in this process. And what they do is to provide information that we can all learn from, from a system configuration and architecture and, you know, what they went through and what the software stack looks like and, you know, where is it installed and, you know, all of that. So that's a wealth of information. And then you run a couple of benchmarks, starting with HPL, that gives you a flavor for how that configuration operates on this particular benchmark. But because we've got decades worth of information on this, people who closely follow this start getting a feel for this kind of a configuration and that kind of a performance. I can expect this kind of a performance for this other application. And you know, you sort of develop that sort of feel for these things. And I think in that sense, it's really valuable. Also HPL, as much as it is not the definitive benchmark, it's a relatively decent proxy for other applications. Now, if you're going to buy based on who's got the top HPL number, well, that's kind of misguided. But if you're using the number to guide your feeling about the configuration and how you're going to put a system together, I think that's highly valuable. Yeah, that's, that's great stuff. You know, I've, I've heard some talk, the controversy on Fugaku, is it, is it a exascale system because it's over, it's exceeded that on, in the HPLAI benchmark. Do you have any sense on, on that? Well, I think that the consensus has been that 64-bit HPL is the metric. And AI kind of started with 64-bit because that's what was available. And that was really kind of funny because all these accelerators got busy going from 32-bit to 64-bit only to realize that there's a big market where they used to be. So now we see 32-bits and now 16-bits and now 8-bits. And now I just was reading that maybe even 4-bits is going to be fine. I think there are some neural nets that might even handle integer, not even floating point. So all of that is like a different kind of a metric. So now you have to specify what sort of precision you have for your performance. And indeed, if you go after 16 bits or mixed, like, you know, the operands are 16 and the result is like 32 or the intermediates are 32 and the result is 16. If you go through that, then obviously you're going to get more performance. But exascale has always meant exaflops in 64-bit. And in that sense, Fugaku isn't there yet, although it's still 2-3x the next best system. So we're not going to move the goalposts, I guess. And by the way, Fugaku has been an extremely valuable learning lesson on system design and architecture. And the team there has done such a fabulous job executing on this and advancing system architecture in multiple direction. So that's the kind of value that participating in Top 500 will give you. Great. Great perspectives. Uh, thank you, Shaheen. It's been a pleasure to be with you again. Likewise. Thank you so much. Until next time. That's it for this episode of the At HPC podcast. Every episode is featured on InsideHPC.com and posted on OrionX.net. Use the comment section or tweet us with any questions or to propose topics of discussion. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The At HPC podcast is a production of OrionX in association with Inside HPC. Thank you for listening.